Experts claim there is nothing tougher than a diamond. But at Diamonds Direct, we beg to differ. Have you ever met a mother? Strong, radiant, timeless. This Mother's Day, give her the gift that meets her match. With diamond jewelry starting at $200, plus Diamonds Direct's exceptional quality and unbeatable everyday price, you're sure to give her a gift that wows this generation and the next to come. Experience the thrill of jewelry shopping done right at Diamonds Direct. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. Me. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no spy girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. For just being me. Amy Winehouse. Back to Black. Directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R. Under 17. Not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Good morning, peeps, and welcome to Woke AF Daily with me, your girl, Danielle Moody, recording live from our Podstream studios in Times Square. You know, today, folks, I am going to have an interview with a new person to Woke AF Daily, Franita Tolson. And if you've been watching these congressional hearings on voting rights, uh, you have seen her now multiple times on Capitol Hill. She's a professor at the University of California, and she's been working on voting rights her entire career. What got me to ask Fernita to join Woke AF was an interaction, an exchange, actually, that she had with Senator Ted Cruz, which you may have seen because I retweeted uh, the clip and the clip went viral, where he asked her directly, do you think that the Texas voting rights law is racist? And she responded, yes, I do. And then went on to express why she feels like the voting rights laws, suppressions, uh, targeting of people of color is in fact racist and how race neutral laws have been a thing since reconstruction in this country. It is how for 100 years, black people had absolutely no protection in this country. Right. And, you know, I will talk to her about whether or not she thinks that our democracy can survive this can survive inaction by Democrats right now. Because folks, I got to tell you that I have reached my breaking point with this current administration, with this fucking Congress, and where we are headed in 2022. People are so fucking concerned 
with keeping their jobs, as in my favorite line in The American President, that they are forgetting to actually do their fucking jobs, right? You have one job as an elected official, and it is to make sure that you uphold our Constitution. It is to make sure that all Americans, not just some, not just the rich, right, not just the top 1%, not just white folks, have the ability to live a full and complete life, right? That are able to pursue their form of happiness, right? That are able to all be protected, to be able to participate as full and complete citizens in our fucking democracy. And they are failing. And this fucking administration is failing right now. And you know, I can tell you that I have reached a point, right, where, yes, you can say to me, Danielle, well, the Biden administration, they've only been in power for nine months, and, you know, we need to give them more time. And do you know what I'm going to say to that? We don't have any more fucking time to give, right? In but a few handful of months, the calendar year changes, and we go into 2022. And at the beginning of January, you are going to see a blitz of fucking campaigns and ads and all of these things because within several months, we will have midterm elections. And right now, if you pay attention to polls, which you know, if you listen to me regularly, you know that I don't give a fuck about polls because I think that they are as good as shaking a magic eight ball and kind of seeing what happens. But the reality is that in a couple of months, we have a consequential midterm election that I would argue is even more consequential than that of 2018. Because when Republicans get power again, not if, But when they get power again, they are not letting it go. They are going to be rabid fucking pit bulls with a bone and they won't let it go. They will change every single fucking rule in the Senate, in the House to make sure that Democrats never hold that gavel again. And then what Democrats will do is get on television and get on radio and get on podcasts and whine and bitch about what Republicans are doing to this country. And I will turn around and want to verbally bitch slap every single fucking one of them who has sat around and thought that, you know, Republicans were going to come around. I will go directly to the Joe Mansions and the Kirsten Cinemas and say, you now will be forever remembered and engraved in the minds and the history books of this country as the two people that allowed our democracy to fucking fall this week right now you have Kirsten Cinema not at the White House right because this is how much power this bitch has not at the White House but as White House staff has decided to go to her in the Senate to talk about the reconciliation bill to go to her and beg her to do what is right for this fucking country How does that look? To me, it looks like Joe Biden doesn't know what the fuck he's doing. And it certainly doesn't look like he has the strength and the mustard and the fortitude to get shit done that he told the American people he was going to deliver on day one. Now, I understand that there is a big, big gap between the campaign promises that folks make on the trail and then what it comes to get done in order to get things executed into reality. I know that the gap is big. But here's the thing. 
You don't get any more time. You knew the urgency of the moment when you were campaigning in 2020, as you were campaigning against an open white supremacist, right? An open fucking fascist. You knew good goddamn well that the Republican party wasn't just under the spell of Donald Trump. No, no. Donald Trump gave them permission to take their hoods off and be exactly who they have always wanted to be. You know what I saw this week that also turned my goddamn stomach, which was a New York times article. Do Democrats will Democrats muster the same amount of courage as Liz Cheney ding, 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 New York times. Liz Cheney doesn't have any fucking courage. It doesn't take courage a decade after your gay sister gets married and has kids to come out on 60 minutes and now decide that, oh, you were totally wrong about same sex marriage. You know, six years after the Supreme court passed same sex marriage in this country and a decade after her own fucking father, Darth Vader came out in support of same sex marriage, right? You don't get a trophy for that. You also don't get a trophy for recognizing reality and the fact that Donald Trump did indeed lose the 2020 election. It is not courage to come out and acknowledge the truth. Then my God, I must have so much courage to come out every day and acknowledge that gravity fucking exists. I am so tired, right? Of turning these fucking people into heroes and heroines and martyrs for acknowledging reality. That is how far the goddamn bar has fallen. You know, Joe Manchin and Kirsten Sinema, they might as well be the president and the vice president of the United States right now with the amount of fucking power that they're wielding, which is why to me it was important to bring Professor Fernita Tolson on to talk about the fact that, yeah, you know what? Congress really does have power. You know, there are things that Congress can be doing, right? Because by virtue of the constitution, you have the power to get things done. You are a co-equal branch of government. And yet they are walking around and asking for fucking permission or expecting Republicans to turn into what exactly moral bound patriots. I don't know how many goddamn times that people have to show you who they are for you to believe who they are, right? Not one goddamn Republican voted in the House of Representatives to pass the John Lewis Voting Rights Act. Many of those fucking disgusting human beings worked alongside John Lewis, listened to his stories of being beaten and jailed for the right to vote. They worked alongside this man for decades. And upon his death, he had one ask, which was to get this done. And those Republicans spit in his face and spit in the face of every goddamn American in this country, regardless of party, when they decided to vote against our democracy. So tell me again what we are waiting for here. I don't understand how much more Democrats need to see before you look fucking dumb and you recognize how dumb you look. To the American people, you want to go out now and campaign on what exactly? Because you haven't done dick. And frankly, if you thought that you were going to be campaigning on the vaccine rollout alone, well, we've reached our what? Our 
a cliff right now in terms of how many Americans are actually going to get vaccinated. And now it's private industry that is doing more work, more heavy lifting by having their mandates that this administration doesn't want to do. Why? Oh, we don't have the power to do it. It's funny to me that when Democrats are in control, they want to talk about what power they don't have. But when Republicans are in control, all we feel is the weight of their fucking foot on our necks. Right? Mitch McConnell didn't have the power to appoint three Supreme Court justices and stall the appointment of Merrick Garland, but he did it. And guess what? And he did so unfucking opposed. Right? No one decided to sue Mitch McConnell. No one decided to bring this to federal court in order to get action done. Barack Obama didn't decide to do a recess appointment and get things done because he had the right. No, because Democrats are too fucking concerned with keeping every goddamn person happy as opposed to actually doing what needs to be done and understanding that you're not going to keep everyone happy, that everyone isn't going to like you and being liked isn't your fucking job. I don't need a comforter in chief. I need a commander in chief. And right now with Joe Biden, we don't really have either. Coming up next, folks, is my interview with Professor Fernita Tolson. I'm very excited to have this conversation with regard to voting rights and whether or not she thinks our democracy is going to survive. That is coming up next. Folks, I am so happy uh, to welcome to Woke AF, Fernita Tolson, who is the Vice Dean for Faculty and Academic Affairs and Professor of Law at University of Southern California, Gold School of Law. Thank you so much for making the time to join Woke AF. We're in one of the most, I would say, arguably the most precarious times for our democracy, and our democracy hinges on our ability to have free and fair elections. And as we have seen since the 2020 election and the spreading of the big lie, we have witnessed a barrage of over 300 plus uh, voting suppression laws that have happened across the country. Texas, however, Texas is like, hold my beer to every other state so that they can show up as the absolute worst, Um, which is why you were at the Senate testifying about the Texas law. You were asked very clearly, is the Texas law racist? I mean, I screamed at my television and I said, hell yes, it is. I don't know. You have a lot more decorum than I do. (laughs) So please um, recount for Woke AF audience You know, your answer to that question, is the Texas voter restriction, voter suppression law racist? In my opinion, it is. And and importantly, it's not just me, right? One of the points I made in the hearing is that a federal district court had found that the law had been enacted with discriminatory intent and discriminatory effect. Um, And so Texas basically litigated the law over the course of the decade, and then they uh, passed a new version in order to cleanse the law of the discriminatory uh, effect that it had on um, minority populations. And so the exchange with uh, Senator Cruz, I think he was a little surprised. Um, but, you know, arguably the fact that Texas consistently litigates its election law. So not just the voter ID law, um, it's redistricting plans. They, they litigate. So we have redistricting every 10 years. And Texas pretty much spends the bulk of the decade litigating their redistricting plans against allegations that the plan was adopted with racially discriminatory intent and effect. And this has been true for pretty much 
much the last two decades. And so Texas, um, their rep, their record on this is just really awful. If you were sitting in, if you were sitting not just in the chair testifying, but sitting in a chair with the direct ability to enforce the power that Democrats have right now, what should, what can they be doing? Aside, I mean, because here's the thing, the filibuster, we have two people that are the issue, right? We have Kirsten Cinema and Joe Manchin who believe in this racist relic, right? And, and, and want to believe that, well, what if we get rid of it? How will Republicans act down the road? And I'm like, I don't think you understand that we are, we, we are at the end of the road. Like, this is it. There is no, there, like, we're at the cliff right now for our democracy. And what, what is it that Democrats can do to fortify in their minds the sense of urgency that I swear that everyone else seems to have but these two members of the Senate that say that they're supposedly Democrats? So I think part of the problem is American exceptionalism, right? Like, mm, even that's the Democrats... Part of that is- that is the that is the that, that is the whole problem. But please, right. even Democrats believe that, right? Democrats believe that America is exceptional. Um, but one thing that is true among democracies generally is that they don't last that long. Um, and so, you know, I'm not a alarmist generally, and you know, I believe in this country, and I this this is why I do this work. I want us to get over this. But there is no guarantee that we'll survive this. Right. Our democracy has, is over two centuries old now. And unless it's something that you're willing to fight for, it could very well go away. There's nothing exceptional about America in that sense, in that we that somehow our democracy is so revered that it could survive anything. That is not true. This is why consequences for January 6th is very important, because if we don't have consequences for, you know, political elites who are pushing this big lie and who, you know, I mean, the, the whole notion of Trump running for re-election again in 2024 is just insane, right? But that is entirely possible because our system has become one in which bad actors are not punished for their behavior. Um, and their actions are corrosive to democracy. And because of that, we might not survive this. But until people accept that that is a possibility, right? then it's entirely uh, likely that, you know, Democrats will just kind of sit and wait and, and, and expect Republicans to come around. Um, let me make one other point, because I, I actually think the historical point is, is important. Um, after Reconstruction, in this country for almost a century, Black people didn't have any voting rights. They didn't have any political power. Um, I was uh, telling my children, and, and I promise they're young, I don't like scare them, but you know, it was really common for you know, Black people to go missing and just never be heard from again, because they had no protections. They had no way. They had no way of petitioning the government for protection. They had no protection from the police. Anything, right? It was just. It was a horrible state of affairs. Um, but one of the important things that people fail to realize, but I think that they kind of realized in the '40s, '50s, and '60s, is that we're all in this together, right? You can't have, you know, minority communities of any stripe who feel like second-class citizens in this country, and think that people um, that sort of view themselves as being at the top tier can enjoy their rights too. It's only a matter of time before people in the majority find themselves as a part of the minority, right? So it's really important to protect rights for all people. Um, so just because minority voting rights are under assault right now does, mean, does not mean that people in the majority are protected either. We are literally all in this together. And if we don't fight for it collectively, it will go away. Until the Democrats realize that, then they're just gonna sit there and wait for a party who is essentially a minority party and will do anything to preserve their power. They're gonna wait for them to come around when they have no incentive to come around. You know, and the reality is that, 
you know, after a certain point, you reach a certain point where the top can only squeeze people so much Mm -hmm. before they push back. I mean, you can only push people down so much and assume that the reaction is just going to be like, okay, boss, whatever you say, boss, that's what I'm going to do. Right. Before people get into the streets, before there is revolutionary action, right, Mm -hmm. that is taken, because I don't see I I think that what troubles me now and I want to ask you, because you are a professor of law, you are guiding the next generation of people that are supposed to, you know, hopefully in, in some way, shape or form safeguard. Right. Our Constitution safeguard our laws. But what what I have realized over, you know, desperately over the past four years, the four years under Trump is what I thought. And this I'm an educated person, you know, undergrad, graduate school, worked on the Hill. What I thought were secure laws in this country, I recognize under Trump were just suggestions. Mm-hmm. We're just we're, we're just handshake deals. That were kind of done in back rooms, whether you're going to, I thought presidents, presidential candidates, I thought they, they were required to provide their taxes. I thought that you were required to let go of your businesses or put them in a trust so that you, we would know that you're working on behalf of the American people. I didn't realize that that was just, oh, everything I realized that Trump, it was just a political norm. And Mm so, I mean, what opportunities, if any, with this very lackluster and very spineless uh, Democratic Party that we are witnessing right now, if we had a party with strength and backbone and fortitude, what should they be doing to move these political norms that were very easily broken, right? No one is going to jail. No, there's no accountability whatsoever for the things that have been done to turn them from political norms to actual laws. Like what, what, what power, if any, does the legislative body have in order to, in order to make that happen? They have to go all the way, right? I think the, the problem is moderation. Um, they're trying to figure out some way to um, keep everybody happy <laughs> while getting something done. And you can't do that. Um, you have to go all the way. You have to pass HR 1, you have to pass HR 4, you have to put everything on the line. There's too much focus on 2022, right? People are concerned about getting primary, people are concerned about keeping control of the House of Representatives, but it's, this is all happening in the context of, um, you know, the prospect of losing control of the House anyway. So my mm. question is, do you do nothing in order to try to keep control of the House and not sort of use the power that, that, that the House gives you? And, you know, as as a part of your majority status, or do you do everything that you can and then run on your record? Right. So that's why I just, you know, it's better to have something to run on um, than to have nothing to run on. Right. And and, and that's what I what I what, what perpetually confuses me, um, because I feel like we're always here. Right. We're always at this, yep. this this crossroads where, you know, we're trying to convince our elected officials to use the power that they have. Um, I'm working on a book project right now that is about that that very thing, right? I'm I'm sort of chronicling Congress's uh, exercises of authority in the space of elections since the founding, so that Congress understands that it does have this authority. The only problem is use it, right? right. You just right. you just have to use it. Uh, but instead, I think you know it, it's like all eyes on 2022. But because of that, that means that the Republicans can craft the narrative, right? Because they are also up for re-election 
2022, right? And they can paint this Congress as a do-nothing Congress um, who, you know, wants to enact all of this liberal legislation, uh, when in reality, the liberal legislation would, would benefit people from all walks of life, even Republican voters. I'd rather run on that than run on no record and let the Republicans craft the narrative about my record. So I don't, I don't get it, but I'm also not an elected official. So maybe I don't fully understand the political implications, but I do do election law. So I think I have a pretty good grasp of, on what's going on. I don't think that you need to be an elected <laughs> official to recognize that like either you're going to be elected to do something other than have this title and line your own pockets with corporate interests or you're not like, I, I like there we're, we're not, you know, I wonder too, do you think that because every election, we always say the same things. Elections have consequences. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, this election is going to be historic or, you know, it's urgent. And because we use this language all the time, do you think that we have just kind of been a series of folks crying wolf? And so now that we are at this critical juncture that people don't recognize, including our elected officials, just how consequential this moment is? I think that's entirely possible, right? But part of it is, you know, it's not that the messaging is wrong. It's just that, so imagine saying, this is the most consequential election in a generation every time, right? We said that in 2018, we said that in 2020. Undoubtedly, that was true though, right? right. Imagine what would have happened on January 6th if the Republicans controlled both houses of Congress, right? 2018 turned out to be an awfully important election for giving Democrats control of the House and stopping some of that, right? 2020 was also super important. We were in, we are in the middle of a global pandemic and we had an administration that wasn't doing enough to combat it, right? So, you know, these elections, when we say that these are the most consequential elections in our lifetime, that actually means something. The problem is that when elected officials get into office with that mandate and they don't run with it. And that's why it seems like we're just sort of beating the drum and, and saying these things and it, it doesn't feel true to people because they're not seeing the change that is behind that is basically behind the message right we're urging them to turn out and to vote and to participate because it's so important and then they do that and nothing happens or their every day haven't hasn't changed or you know it's 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 hard i think the elected officials the policy needs to match the message because the message is true you know on woke af i i try not to be the consistent bearer of bad news but that is where i am these days and have been for you know for years at this point um I want to ask you to read the tea leaves for me in the best way that you can, given the fact that you have sat before members of Congress now three times in the last 10 weeks. And each time you are laying out the urgency of this moment and the responsibility that they have. There's only a couple of them that I believe get it, which one of them is Representative Jamie Raskin, who has come on this show, um, who I appreciate so, so much for for the work that he has been doing um, over the past couple of years, where do you see us going? If, if no action is taken, if we have no executive order, no passage of these bills, like, I mean, forget 2022. I mean, what, what does America look like? Um, I think we'll be a country on the decline. Right. If you look at the, the course of history, you know, there have always been superpowers and then they de decline in power. We will be a country on the decline. Right. If we are 
not committed to democracy as a principle. Now, don't get me wrong. We have been committed to democratic norms. You know, you mentioned norms mm-hmm. earlier, yep. right? Mm-hmm. The problem with a norm, though, is that it's not necessarily longstanding and it could be disturbed quite easily. I um, mean, we really learned that from 2016 to 2020, how easy it is to erode democratic norms. I think let federal legislation, um, and in fact, perhaps a federal constitutional amendment that explicitly protects the right to vote will go a long way towards preserving our status as the world's preeminent democracy, which is a title we can't claim anymore. Um, and so if nothing happens, then I just view that as our accept, acceptance that we are a democracy in decline um, and that America doesn't want to be a leader in this n- next chapter of world history. Um, but let me be clear, like, um, it's not too late. Right. There are things, you know, it's what September 2021. We still have a while for for the midterms. There's a lot that Congress can do in this space Um, and Congress needs to do it. If Congress does not do it, then I could easily imagine a situation where we still have um, high turnout in elections, but it doesn't move the policy needle at all because of partisan gerrymandering. Uh, because of, you know, other barriers that are put in place that inhibit turnout in state elections, um, because of, you know, the fact that local elections are not getting the, the type of attention that they need because people feel that the system isn't working. So everything that's happening in the context of federal elections bleeds over into these state and local elections that are also of equal importance, and in some cases more important. Um, and so eventually participation will decline, um, and you will have uh, perpetual um, elected officials who do whatever they want because they won't face any challenge at the ballot box. That's it for today's Woke AF Daily podcast. To hear more from today's show, including my full interview with Professor Frenita Tolson, support me on Patreon at patreon.com slash Woke Power to the people and to all the people power. Get woke and stay woke as fuck. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited time 2% cashback on purchases and pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. We went from normal life, healthy child to acute lymphoblastic leukemia or B-cell ALL. The St. Jude team came up to get CJ via ambulance. Shortly after that, I noticed a rainbow. It meant that there was hope. We were driving into hope. To have hope is to have your child healthy. And we have that because of St. Jude. You can help kids fight childhood cancer. Please become a St. Jude Partner in Hope today by visiting musicgives.org.